Hey, welcome to this week's episode of the River Valley Podcast. My name is Kirk, and I'm here with Logan, yep. your host. And we are in the middle of Seek Week as a church and having an incredible week. This is honestly one of my favorite weeks in church life. I think about this phrase, Pastor Rob met with another pastor and said, you know, how do you do, uh, have such a global heart? How do you travel the world? How do you do the big things that your church is doing? And uh, the pastor responded, said, I, we can do all of those things globally as long as the local church is discipled in a happy way. And I think Seek Week is this week of being discipled in a happy way, extended times in the presence of God, extended time of teaching and diving into God's word, uh, the altar ministry, people uh, stepping out of their seat, coming forward. Again, offering a sacrifice of praise. We talked about this weekend. Uh, we are all priests. And so we're having so much fun during Seek Week. I don't know when you're listening to this, and so maybe it's after. The goal is that you would be hearing testimony after testimony of people's lives being changed, people being saved, baptized, baptized in the Holy Spirit, called, stepping out in faith, operating the gifts. And I, I do believe that, that there's going to be so many testimonies out of this week. God's doing amazing things. And Logan, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm doing awesome. I mean, Seek Week, like you said, how can you not be great on a week like this? You preached an amazing message, kind of tag team this weekend's message. So that was awesome with uh, Nathan Finocchio. Thanks for that. Yeah, we're, we're, as a church, we're going through First Peter. And the first week, Pastor Rob talked about living hope. And we, we've already recapped that. This week, we talked about living stones. Uh, in chapter two, first Peter chapter two, as a church though, our soap reading, we, we, we do a, a couple chapters every day. You can follow along on the river Valley app and we're reading through the book of acts. And you know, the first four chapters of acts is epic. It's the birth of the church right? and it's on the day of Pentecost, people filled with the spirit. And recently we read chapters three and four and we don't always do like a soap recap, but I got to tell you, my favorite verse in the whole Bible is in Acts chapter four. But but setting up the context, if you're if you're listening or if you haven't uh, haven't read this passage of scripture recently, Peter and John they're going to the temple. First century church they 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 were still going to the temple, but they were glorifying the God, glorifying the Son of God, Jesus Christ. They're going they're going to temple, and uh, somebody that was lame was sitting in front of them, and as they were passing by this guy's, you know, begging for money. And Peter responds, says, Hey, I don't have any silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. Fast forward, the religious leaders of the day that were not Christ followers, they were Jewish leaders. Uh, some of the same leaders that crucified Jesus, they arrest Peter and John. And Peter has this amazing sermon. And we talked about it this weekend in the message saying, Jesus Christ is the foundation stone. He's the cornerstone. Peter says to those religious leaders who you crucified, I mean, just an amazing boldness. But after he preaches that message, one of my favorite uh, verses, and in fact, my, my favorite verse in the whole Bible is Acts chapter favorite. 4. Thir yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Acts chapter 4.13, and I, I pull it up here. It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, so they knew their lives were on the line and Peter's responding with great boldness and great courage. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. 
that scripture is so encouraging for me because I feel like I'm an unschooled, ordinary man. I mean, I went to school. I went to Bible school. Uh, I pursue my credentials. I'm continuing my education. But I feel like an ordinary person all the time. And half of the days and opportunities that I have as a pastor to minister to other people, encourage other people, I feel in over my head, to be honest. I don't know about how you feel, Logan, but I feel in over my head. I feel unschooled, ordinary, but, but I feel by the power of the Holy Spirit in me, I, there is a boldness that comes over me. And for you that's listening, you might be feeling overwhelmed. You might feel uneducated. You might not feel like you have the right pedigree. You might not, not feel like, well, I, I wasn't raised in the right family, or I haven't been doing this that long, or I just gave my life to Christ. Uh, you might feel like I don't have the right gifting or the personality. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know that I can do this. But the Lord's calling you into something more. He's calling you something into greater. And by the Holy, the power of the Holy Spirit living in you, you can do it. And I think people around you might be family or neighbors or coworkers. People around you are going to be astonished at your courage and at your boldness because, uh, because you've been with Jesus. And that's kind of how that verse ends. It says they, they knew that Peter and John had been with Jesus. Right. That's how I want to live my life. That's who I want to be. I want to be somebody that, that say, you know, they're not astonished at the degrees on my wall. Uh, in fact, there's nothing hanging right there, but they're, they're not astonished at my charisma or my personality. They're not astonished at my pedigree, but they're astonished at a boldness that couldn't come from myself, but that of the Lord. And they can tell, I want to be a person that, that people can tell that I've been with Jesus. Am I living my life that way? Is that true for me? Is that true for you? That's listening that you are somebody that's been with Jesus. You can do it. If you feel in over your head, you can do it by the power of the Holy spirit. Love it. That's my intro thought. And would love to, uh, Logan, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Have you ever felt in over your head? Uh, Obviously we're, we're both young leaders. You know, we look through the eyes of we'd like to be in ministry till we're 70, 80 and beyond. Like we, at least for me, I want to do this the rest of my life. So in context of that, I'm a young leader. I feel, I feel intimidated at times. How about you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that when you're young, you're just intimidated by a lot of things. And I think the way that we often live that out is through either an insecurity of lack of confidence or an insecurity of overconfidence. And sometimes we project that like, oh, I've got everything under control. I, I could come in. I know I joke about this sometimes that when I joined the church, I thought, oh, I'm God's gift to this place. <laughs> but oh, yeah. very quickly I realized I have no idea what I'm doing fresh out of college. And the more you grow older, you realize we're all a part of this. We all need to bring our gifts. We all need to do this together. And every one of us has been uniquely gifted to build the church. And so I think that it's that power. I mean, think about, you know, your own life, right? When you are with Jesus, you know, you're at Seek Week, you're pressing after God, you're maybe you're reading scripture, you read about the story of, of Peter and John and the disciples, you're on fire, you're ready to go. But you scroll social media for a while. I know Mac, my wife will always say, whenever you scroll social media for too long, you you just project that out and you're, you're negative and it's not life-giving, right? But when we're filled with the things of God, we're life-giving, we're, we're take, take ground, take the hill, we can do anything. So I think that it is where we spend our time dictates what comes out of us. We talked about that with the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit fills us up. 
but also when the Holy Spirit fills us up, he pours us out. And we've talked about that before on the podcast, but I just think that it's a reflection, right, of, of where we spend our time and who we're filled up by. Yeah, I love that it said they could tell they they had been with Jesus. And there's another scripture that says, "Taste and see that the Lord is good." Taste and see that the Lord is good. What what what's your diet? What are you tasting? And what you're talking about? So scrolling through social media and getting lost. It's like eating candy. I mean, whether it's reels or YouTube shorts or. Uh, God forbid TikTok. You're, you're just you're eating candy. I mean, you're eating Skittles, and and you're thinking that that is going to like man, that's going to make me feel better if I can just get lost in 15 minutes, which turns into three hours of scrolling. Listen, I don't know about you, but I, if I eat a bowl of Skittles, I mean, I'm going to feel like garbage. And no, so, on Sunday night, on Sunday night, I had some sherbet and i'm i'm not a big sweets guy <laughs> oh you're um, crazy bro I'm not, you're crazy, I'm not a big dude. sweets guy at all i really try to avoid them um i don't crave them but just for whatever reason i was feeling like man i need something sweet tonight and the only i'm um, living with my in-laws right now uh in between houses and uh the only thing they had in their freezer was sherbet and fat-free <laughs> sherbet and i just scooped a bunch into a bowl and i'm telling you kirk I had the worst migraine I've maybe ever had on Sunday oh, night. Yeah. And yeah. it was horrible. I couldn't sleep. It was terrible. And so I think about that the last couple of days. <laughs> I've been thinking about that. Like it was that sherbet I told Mac today. I said, man, that the other night when I had that egg, it was that sherbet. So you got to be careful <laughs> hey, what if, you eat. If, if you're looking for a migraine, eat a bowl of sherbet. <laughs> Uh, 10 out of 10 times. Okay, but, okay, but flip it, flip it. Not always do I wake up like, oh, I can't wait to get in God's word. Or, oh, I can't wait to train my mind to really get after it in prayer, praying for my wife, my kids, my family, our church, our future. Not it's not it's not I'm always just jacked about that. Now I love the word of God and I love prayer and I love my time with the Lord, but but I'm a real human being. It's not, I'm not every day like eager about that. But when I taste that, when I eat that, when that is my habit and routine, it never gives me a migraine. It never gives me uh, uh, like, uh, it, it never makes me sick. I was trying to think of the phrase. A sherbet like, coma or? <laughs> yeah, yeah, a sherbet coma, sugar. Uh, man, I forget what we call it in our family. Like when you eat too much candy, but uh, just a bellyache, it never does. It always returns. It builds us up. It feeds us. It, it gives us something great. So it's like, I, I don't know. I, I, I grew up in a family which is like, you got to eat your vegetables. You, you got to, you got to clean your plate. Um, and, and eat the things you don't want to eat. Why? Because it's good for you. And uh, I think the the spiritual realm works opposite the way the physical realm does. So uh, there's a lot of things that are backwards to this world, which are really the right way and the right way to go. But if you want to get hungry for the things of God, you don't starve yourself. Like you don't get more hungry by ignoring time in the word and ignoring the presence of God by, uh, by chasing other things and shows and movies and social media. And like, that's going to make me more hungry because I haven't engaged in it in a week, you know? Nope. That's wrong. You're going to get less hungry for that. Like you, you if you want to get hungry for the things of God, you have to eat. 
you got to eat of the things of God, taste and see that the Lord is good. And so let that be an encouragement to you. Maybe you're down on yourself like, man, I'm just not really feeling it. And you don't know how to get back into it. How do I get back into loving it? Like restoring to me the joy of my salvation. How, you you got to choose to eat. You got to choose to eat. So get in the word of God. Start doing soap with us as a church. Uh, join along this week in, in Seek Week. If you're listening to it this week, we've got a Seek Week devotional that's also on the River Valley app. You got to eat more of the things of God. And so, uh, yeah, just great thought. You might feel like an ordinary person, but people are going to be astonished at your courage, at your boldness, and they're going to be able to tell that you have been with Jesus, that you've tasted and you've seen that the Lord is good. Awesome. We've got a lot of questions coming in. Yep. Jackinator, 43. Come on, what a name. Great name. How, How do you know if you're called to ministry or otherwise figure out God's calling for your life in general? Uh, that's a great question. Um, the reality is we're all called to ministry. Uh, Jesus, he had the ministry of reconciliation, reconciling humanity back to right relationship with the Lord. And then he delegated that authority to all of us believers. So technically we all have what's called the ministry of reconciliation. The way that that looks like practically is when we're in relationship with people, uh, wherever we go, when we're in relationship and, and they're dealing with issues, I'm not just, I'm not trying to solve that issue as a pastor. I'm not just trying to solve that issue. I'm actually trying to reconcile them back to the father. You know, some people I'm dealing with this anger. I'm dealing with this unforgiveness. I'm dealing with this bitterness. I'm dealing with this doubt. How do we, I want to get them back connected to the word of God, what is true, stop believing the lies to help build within them faith. The ministry is reconciling to them to the father. That's like the root issue. I actually believe the word of God. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to operate in faith. I'm going to operate in true thinking, right thinking, which is going to help solve the doubt, the anger, the unforgiveness, the bitterness. Uh, but, but that being said, I think Jackinator, again, great name. Jackinator is really asking, uh, how do I know if I'm called a vocational ministry, that this is what I should do for my life as a, a career or as a profession? May, uh, I would say this if I was meeting with Jack one-on-one. I would say, if you can do anything else, then do that. Like, you don't, just, you don't get to just choose it. It's a calling from the Lord. So if there's something else you could do, do that. I'm in ministry. I, there's not another thing I could do. There's not, like, well, you're laughing because I'm probably not qualified to do much else. But I'm saying, I'm saying I don't know. I, I cannot see my life fulfilled doing something else. I know that I know that I'm supposed to be here. But how did I receive that calling? Um, I, there's, a lot of different, there's a lot of different ways to like kind of... Uh, it's like mining gold. You're, you're, dis, you're on this discovery journey of, Lord, what did you create me to do? What am I supposed to do with my life? What does my future hold? Are you calling me to ministry? I would encourage you in, in uh, either creating spiritual environments to be with the Lord and to sense his presence and hear his voice, to, to go to spiritual environments like church or like Seek Week and these environments of altar call time where I'm responding. I'm saying, Lord, you have my life. I'm surrendered. I'm wholly surrendered to you. Here I am. Send me. Uh, like I have that attitude. Um, 
and you're able to hear from the Lord directly. So, so you can receive a calling directly. That's what I, I think that's what Paul said, even to the other apostles that had been with Jesus. Paul, Paul's like, listen, I got my calling from Jesus himself. Like he knocked me off a donkey. He, he showed himself to me. I, he, he was saying, I didn't get my calling. Paul was saying, I didn't get my calling from Peter. I didn't get my calling from John. I got my calling from Jesus himself. And so the calling is from Jesus to be in vocational ministry. And that's important to remember. You can get that on your own in a spiritual env environment or atmosphere or altar call. But I would also say this. You got to have mentors in your life. You have to have a pastor in your life. Who's your pastor? Might be a campus pastor. Might be a young adult pastor. Um, obviously, we're part of River Valley. Pastor Rob is our lead pastor. Do you have mentor voices, uh, people that are leaders in your life that are godly men and women? It might be parents that are in your life that, that they knew you when you were born and they've been praying for what is on your life. But do you have somebody that is godly speaking into your life? Hey, I see this gold that's in you and we're mining it out that, that you are called. You can do this. I, I love being able to see that in people and say that. You can do this. There's somebody last night at Seek Week. I, I said that over them. I know they're pursuing vocational ministry. I said, this is on your life. Don't doubt it. You can do this. And so ex exploring that. Logan, I don't know if you have any thoughts to that question. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I feel like I, I mean, both of us are pastor's kids, right? So we've seen, we've seen it growing up. So it wasn't like we were foreign to this idea. Um, but I, you know, you mentioned I couldn't see myself doing anything else. I wrestle with that all the time. I feel like I could see myself doing a lot of other things, which is yep. uh, interesting. Hey, but, we'll see you later. We'll yeah. see you later. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but I think what, what I've realized is that God made a way for my gifts in this church and yep. that there's nowhere else I'd rather be doing it and using the gifts. But I think that for some people, I, I think your point would be it's the weight of ministry is too heavy to carry other people's burdens for you to just give it a shot, right? I think that's yeah. what you're you're saying, and and I, I recognize that too. Is it's it's not this is not something that I'm like oh I'm just giving it a try. Yeah. I have I have vision and like I thought it was going to be business. I thought it was going to be entrepreneurship. I thought it was going to be marketing, but I realize that God has used those gifts so that I can build His church, and He's gifted me as a pastor, and yeah. I've seen Him reveal that to me. But it's come through, like you said, it's come through the Word of God. It's come through people and mentors in my life. And so I think it's anything that you're doing, whether it be in ministry, whether it be in business, that it, it shouldn't be a, like if you hate what you do, I don't believe God has called people to hate what they do. Now, it doesn't mean there's Agreed. not bad days, but I just, I, all throughout scripture, work is such a pivotal part of our life. Work oh, yeah. is a good thing. We talked about that last week. But it's so important to us. We spend so much time doing it that I don't think we should hate the outcomes of our work. I believe that we should be we should be thrilled with the fruits of our labor. I mean, you look at even reading through Acts, right? That there were people that through their means, they were able to support the church by selling property and taking care of other people. They weren't able to yep. do that because they were lazy. They were able to do that because they worked hard for it. You see these amazing rich women of God that are funding Paul in, in the New Testament ministry. They're funding yep. it because of the work that they did. So I don't think it's an either or. I think it's a both and. And again, how you spend your Monday through Friday is not a determining factor. But if you want to carry the weight of ministry and basically as a pastor, you're saying, I'm letting the church 
burdens be on me or as for us on our team of pastors. We are going to help you carry your burdens as our vocation. That's a weight you need to hear from the Lord on. But in order to be called to do the work of the Lord, you don't need to be called to do that. Jesus already has commissioned us to do that in Matthew 28. And if you are a believer, that's your responsibility. So. Yeah, and and really, I I know people that have been in ministry that were romanticizing another vocation, and to me, that's usually where I tell somebody that is in ministry saying, if you're romanticizing something else, and I know people that have been in ministry that the day they're not in ministry, they start living a completely different life. They love the Lord, but the the only reason they were doing what they were doing is because they were on staff at a church. And to me, right. that's that lacks authenticity. And I think if you're going to be in vocational ministry, you should do it because it's authentically who you are and because it's the call of God on your life. And I do believe you can be in vocational ministry for a period of time and God can call you to a next uh a next career path or thing he can call if he called you into it he can call you out of it uh but at the same time like you said there is difficulty in this life no matter what career path you take there's going to be hard days difficult days mundane days and i think part of it is is for everybody listening the the path that you're on you actually have to learn to love faithfulness not just the exciting days, not just the fruits of your labor days, but the labor days, you know, like the, the, the sowing seed days, the watering days, the tilling the soil days, the, the difficult days. And if you can learn to love that, just the daily grind, uh, then you're, then you also get to enjoy the fruits of your labor and you can do it for the long haul. So that's a long answer for the jackinator, but I love the conversation about call to ministry. Yeah. Uh, another question here, and then a couple questions I want to end with on the Holy Spirit, because we talked about that on Monday night. Um, yeah. But Christian asked, the LDS visit our house often. What's the best way to share Jesus with Mormons? If you're not familiar, the LDS stands for the Church of the Latter-day Saints. And although they have the name, the Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints, it would not be, in, in our view, a Christian religion, although they, they would say they also read the Bible. Um, according to to what we believe we we don't believe that after scripture that after revelation it's the end of god's revelation to us and so in the 1800s a guy named joseph smith uh, said he received a new revelation from an angel that was an extension of god's work and he was supposed to reveal this people saw gold plates again there's a lot of kind of crazy things that happen but this was 1800 years after jesus left the earth and it's a newer religion, but obviously has now grown to be several million people. And one of the richest religions actually in the world, based in Salt Lake City. And I was actually just there a couple months ago or a month ago in Salt Lake City. Yeah. And was talking with some LDS missionaries who were kind of evangelizing to us uh, on, the, on the streets there. And I was asking them questions and they said, oh, we believe everything that Christians believe. We just kind of believe more. And one of the people mentioned eternal marriage. I said, oh, we don't believe in eternal marriage. And she said, no, like scripture says that. And I read her Jesus reference to, you know, you're not married in heaven. You know, there's a a parable uh, or an example that Jesus gives that one woman marries a brother, the brother dies. She ends up marrying seven of the brothers. And then the final brother dies. Who is our spouse? Who is her spouse in heaven? And Jesus is clear that 
there is no marriage in heaven. So anyways, there's, there's different beliefs. And I know that wasn't the question you asked, but I do think it's helpful for people who are wondering, are Mormons Christian? We don't believe they're Christians. We, now, now we do believe they're made in the image of God. They're people that we need to love, we need to care for, we don't need to be rude to. If someone's knocking on your door and slamming the door in your face, maybe you should think about when was the last time I shared about what I know is the truth to my neighbor. Yeah. They believe in that what they have is the truth. We don't believe it's true, but they're out witnessing and sharing this. So I think the best way to evangelize is to maybe ask questions about what they believe and then share your own story. This is what I believe. I've been saved. Do you do you have assurance of salvation? Oh, well, I have assurance of salvation through Jesus. And again, not being combative to try and be a gotcha, but I think asking questions and sharing your testimony is a really strong way that you can minister to people and not being rude and slamming the door and get out of here, get off my property, you know, oh, nice dressing and, you know, like whatever you're doing or Jehovah's Witness or whoever they are. You don't want to be rude to people because people are created in the image of God. So Kirk, I don't know if there's any more thoughts on that, but I just think that, uh, I think that these are people that Jesus loves deeply. Yeah, I think uh, when when somebody comes to my door uh, that's out sharing from you know Mormon background, Church of Latter Day Latter Day Saints, or any, any door knocker from another another belief or religion, which it does happen, man, I get I get right into it. Like, and I'm super nice and smiley and 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 having fun, but but boldly saying, Scripture's complete. Like the canon's complete, sixty six books, Genesis to Revelation, it is complete. There's no there's no addition. There's no new revelation outside of Scripture, the Word of God, and Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And and if they respond like, yeah, yeah, Jesus is, and watch out for the and. Like yeah. there is no and. Jesus is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And Mormons are not Christians. So I'm going to get on the offensive and say, dude, I, I, I'm trying to witness to you, you know? So uh, again, it, it usually does not go, go very far, but, but I think culturally, let's just, if I'm being honest, I think there's a lot of that going around in today's culture. Maybe not the same, like they're all wearing the white button down shirts and hopping on their bikes with their helmets on, but culture today is saying, I've got this fresh revelation of what this piece of scripture means, or I have this testimony or experience, therefore it's truth. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Dangerous. I, I promise you, you could go to a Native American powwow that, you know, or, or, or somebody that that ate mushrooms and they had a spiritual experience and they go... I I was set free because of that experience or I I have a fresh revelation of what is true my mind was open that happens that happens all the time that is not true we love the testimony and we love stories of of miraculous healing we love we we love supernatural experience only if it's founded in scripture and 2000 years of church history so th the way that I see it is in prioritization of belief and good theology is the word of God in scripture in the canon of scripture and then 2000 years of church history. And then my testimony submits to those two things. My experience submits to those two things. I'm not thinking, Oh, this, this new idea. There's some new ideas. Uh, we could talk about deliverance. I, maybe that's a future episode, but there's things that, that, that can't, 
that's that's a belief that's 150 years old. What are we talking? That's the same as as Mormonism. It's 150 years old. Like that, that we we don't believe fresh revelation from a hundred years ago. No, we build it on the Word of God, 2,000 years of church history, and then my experience. And so my experience has to submit to those two. And so that's what we believe. That's where we find level. That's where we find the cornerstone from the message. Like right. the levels from the Word of God. Jesus is the Word. Yeah, I, awesome I love combo. I love that. And you, you talked about this this weekend, you know, living stones, worshiping, the importance of being in church. I love the questions we're getting, people leaning in, wanting to know more. Uh, these final two questions about the Holy Spirit, Caden asks, are tongues specifically only used as a gift to speak in another language? Oh, yeah, good good question. I think I think what they're asking is, 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 is it used like every time you speak in tongues, is it another earthly language? Is that is that what you're saying? And and when Maybe, he says yeah, used, think... when he says used, is he saying, like Logan, what do you think he's saying? Um, that that's when you should use it when somebody else can understand it in their native language. I think it's maybe helpful to take a step back, and I know it's some of this we talked, but we believe that the Holy Spirit fills us up, that we are filled with the Holy Spirit, and when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're, you're, you have the ability to operate in the spiritual gifts, right? And so there's gifts of prophecy, there's, there's words of knowledge, there's, there's other languages, but there's, there's this gift of tongues that also says the interpretation of tongues when used in this public setting. But then there's also a personal language that is edifying for yourself that Paul says, do this, speak in tongues, but do this for yourself to edify yourself, to to pray unto the Father that only the language of God that he understands. And then there's this other part of this that is an exhortation of tongues that would be another language or have an interpretation of what this person is saying. So that I think yep. that distinction is helpful. And then maybe you can talk about the those two a little bit more. Yeah, this is my personal belief, uh, and I, I do believe it's true that that when you receive your prayer language, um, that that language can develop over time, new syllables, new phrases, things that you're praying, um, and when you're when you're using it as your private prayer language, um, uh, P- Paul said, "I pray in tongues more than all of you." That's what he that's what he's writing. So he so he he did it privately on his own. Um, pr- praying in the spirit. I, I don't necessarily believe that that has to be somebody's earthly dialect or language or it, it's it is a heavenly language um, at the same time I do believe that if you're you're praying in uh, a public setting where where somebody could overhear like in the book of Acts where they're overhearing your prayer language as as you're praying to the Lord they could go you're praising God in my native language and that I was th- on a global more- team I was on a global team where that happened in yeah. Africa, and it was just insane that this lady walked up to to somebody speaking in tongues, and was just dumbfounded. She said, "That's my language. That's my language." Yep. And she was giving glory to God, praising God, saying, "Like God, get the glory. We praise your name. We magnify your name. You're amazing. You're you know." And I'm like, "Oh my goodness, this is amazing." She had no idea. She had no idea this language. Had never heard it before. And so, wow. having that experience, it's hard to not see in Scripture that happening seeing with your own eyes your experience to where two believers are having this moment to where she's speaking in a language that this other woman understands i'm like we are in acts baby 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and the Bible also talks about groaning. So there, there's this level of like, th- there's going to be like a, like a groaning that, that in the spirit that can come out of you in worship. And it, it, it might not be somebody else's language. I, I think the other part of what is the gift of the spirit is the public declaration of a tongue, which is a heavenly language. And another gift of the spirit is the interpretation of tongues. And so in that corporate gathering, what can happen is uh, somebody in faith can hear the the proclamation tongue given and feel in their spirit, I feel I, I sense, I have a faith believing, I know what the Lord is trying to say through that tongue. I know what the Lord is speaking. And so then they're encouraged in a corporate gathering to speak that out so that there's not confusion in the body or in the gathering to understand. I don't, I, I don't know what he was saying in tongues, but the person that has the gift of interpretation, they say, you know, this is, this is what the tongue is saying. This is what the Lord is saying. And they give it in English so that um, the body's able to understand what the Lord is saying. So two things, private prayer language, uh, spirit that you should use all the time, pray in the spirit all the time. It builds you up. It's the perfect will of God. I don't know what to pray for. I don't know what to ask for. I don't know God's wisdom on this. I need uh, pray in the spirit. That's man. We're praying proclamation in a corporate gathering requires for orderly, uh, order in the church and, and God, God doesn't bring confusion and God doesn't bring fear or weirdness. Um, it's different, but, but he doesn't bring those things. So for the clarity and for, for peace and for understanding, there needs to be, there requires an interpretation. Yeah. And, and that's such a good distinction. And Paul talks about that. You know, if, if you think about maybe the craziest Pentecostal, charismatic, whatever it is, person that you know, that person was there in the Bible because Paul clarifies to the church and says, hey, just so you know, this is not craziness. This is not running around and, and trying to stir things up. This is a move from God. And, you know, those who were at our service on, on Monday night, it was it was not crazy. It was not disorderly. We weren't throwing people around. We're saying, God, give us more of your presence. Give us more of who you are. And so it comes from scripture. You know, we on the weekends, we invite people who may not be believers. So we're not anticipating or necessarily creating extra room for that type of gift. We're not going yep. to necessarily say God doesn't want to do it, but I would say on in what Paul says is when we're around other people, gift of prophecy is better. Interpretations of tongues can be confusing. Do that for the believers. Yep. Really be careful. So I think for those who are wondering, oh, should I just bring it on the weekend and just start giving it a shot? We're, we're not trying to give it a shot. We're trying to be intentional to say <laughs> there are times where the gifts are are able to be used in a way that's that's controlled because Paul says that it's it's not crazy, um, but that's why maybe as a church on a weekend you don't see that in operation because we would say that's not in an orderly way. There's people we don't know who's here. There could be someone yep. who's mentally ill. There could be somebody who's crazy. That could happen. So we definitely yep. are we try to be intentional in those circumstances. And Skyler asked a question kind of in response to that. That is it biblical to say that Satan doesn't understand when we speak in tongues? I think she's probably referencing uh, Glenn on Monday night said that. He says, Satan doesn't understand this language. And that actually comes from 1 Corinthians 14 too, where 
Paul's writing to the Corinthians, he said, for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands and they utter mysteries by the spirit. That verse, I think, would indicate it doesn't explicitly say that Satan doesn't understand. But if if scripture says that no one understands what but God, I think we can infer that Satan doesn't understand. So that's where that scripture comes from, Skylar, uh, probably what Glenn was referencing. Yeah, I, I say that's true. Satan does yeah. not understand uh, the heavenly language. The angels don't understand. God alone understands, and it is the Holy Spirit praying through us. Um, and so it's it's God praying through us, his perfect will over a situation. And uh, when you pray in English out loud, the devil and demons can understand that. And so there is a, there is a, a certain tactic of the the enemy, a limited understanding uh, to be able to understand what you're praying in English or in French or in Spanish or like earthly languages, the devil and demonic forces can understand that. Now, the devil cannot read your mind. So when you're praying in your mind and out of your heart to the Lord, the Lord the Lord can hear your heart and he can hear you as you pray silently. The devil does, does not have that power. So I think there could be a comfort in that as I can pray silently to the Lord. I would also say we've got nothing to fear as Christ followers. Like, don't be afraid of any devil or demon uh, understanding that they do have limited power. And let's take it seriously. But knowing I, the, the Holy Spirit who lives in me is infinitely more powerful than any attack of the enemy that right. uh, or approach of the enemy. So I'm not living in fear as I pray in English. I'm not like thinking like, oh, I really don't want the devil to know this one, so I'm not going to say it out. Um, sometimes our logical brain can go there. No, listen, I'll pray in English, but I'll pray, I'll pray in the Spirit. And I think a more powerful thing than the devil not understanding tongues, the more powerful thing is I'm not going to always pray the perfect will of God because I don't know the mind of God completely over every situation. And so when I, when I say, man, this is a difficult one or God, I don't know what the future holds. I want what you have, what Jesus prayed, your will, not mine. I can pray that in English. God, I want your will, not mine. But I can also pray what is the will of God exactly, specifically for a unique situation as I pray in the spirit. Yeah. Well, speaking of prayer, let's let's end with prayer in English. Yeah. <laughs> uh, praying yeah. for needs in our church. Yeah. Let's and, give this a shot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not giving it a shot. Um, but yeah, let's pray for needs. There's there's a number of different needs from all different campuses. Um, just gonna read a few here, but you can you know believe with us, and then Kirk's gonna end in prayer, and then we're gonna uh, listen to a song from River Valley Ages above it all. Uh, but prayer for wisdom and finances. Above all powers. <laughs> I think that's an old song. Sorry. Yeah, I don't think that's the song. I don't think that's not that one. Uh, prayer for wisdom and finances. Prayer for uh, me to biblically steward money for the Lord. Prayer for peace going into testing with MCATs next Saturday. Pray for the physical healing of my mother. She has spinal nerve pain. It's left her Im immobile. Another person praying for their father who's been ill. They don't know the cause. They need answers and they need healing. We pray for healing first and answers later in Jesus' yep. name. Yep. Uh, anxiety for their wife's health. Uh, another person's hurting. They're going through a breakup. Difficult time. Their heart, their emotions, their friend group. I'm sure a lot, lot of things they're processing. Another person praying for their mom. There's fluid on her brain. That uh, She has a spinal tap on Friday. It's for, for Megan praying for her and her mom. 
uh, another person's in an unbearable living situation, dealing with anger, praying against that Jesus name. And then, uh, Kirk, if you want to share a praise and then pray for us and then oh, we'll yeah, yeah. end it out. We're living in a world where you can hear need after need and negativity after negativity, to be honest, of just what's going wrong in this world. And you got to be reminded that God is still answering prayer. God is doing the miraculous. There is so much to give him praise. We actually were with our team this week and just saying, does anybody have a healing testimony? And it was amazing. Just on our team, how many people have experienced supernatural healing? Now, God created our bodies to heal themselves, which is miraculous, and that's awesome. God, we, we, God's given knowledge and wisdom to doctors and natural health and all of that. That's amazing. But also, there is the miracle of supernatural healing that has taken place. Uh, somebody on our staff had terminal cancer that was supernaturally healed. No doctor can explain. There's no explanation outside of a miracle. I mean, that person is a part of our church. And I got to tell you too, I was at City this weekend and I met Jack two years ago, started attending our church and said, I'm going to give God a try for one year. I'm going to do whatever the church asks of me, whatever they're offering. I'm going to be participant and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to play the game, if you will, for one year. God, you got one year. And he participated week in and week out, part of small groups, going through some of our core groups. And a year later was one year ago during Seek Week. And I was able to hear this testimony from Jack. Uh, He was wearing, on Sunday, he was wearing his water baptism t-shirt. And I said, when did you get baptized? And he said, one year ago at Seek Week, I was water baptized. It was after a year of living for the Lord. And a year ago at Seek Week, I decided... I'm not just giving the Lord a year. This is the real thing. He's proved himself time and time again. I don't have enough time to share all the detail on the story, but he said, God, you got my whole life, and he was water baptized. And so I, you just got to know that— Is that Jackinator? That might be Jackinator. Might be. Praise God. Let's go. All right, let me pray. Lord, we thank you for everything that you're doing in our church that is godly, that is good, that is beautiful, that is miraculous. And we pray over these needs. Some of them are heavy. And in this life, we're going to face trial. We're going to face trouble, but we can be of good cheer because Jesus, you have overcome the world and we've got victory in Christ. So I pray for healing. I pray for restoration. I pray for peace. These are generic terms that carry such weight because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, you earn the right for us to pray these things on the cross by your broken body and by your blood that was shed for us. Lord, I pray that you would answer these prayers in a miraculous way right now, right now. We thank you for the testimonies that are coming out of Seek Week. We thank you for Jack and his testimony that he gave you one year and that year is now turned into the rest of his life because you are are the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Lost without direction, where to go? Wondering why the hope I knew has disappeared like smoke. That's right where you want me Waiting for this season just to end And then this wheel of reckoning The 
This heart can barely stand It's right where you want me Yeah Cause your strength is perfect In my weakest moments Every fear and burden washed away I will not be shaken You're my firm foundation And your presence is where I wanna be It's where I wanna be As soon as the horizon steals the sun The silent fear is definite And I'm all but undone That's right where you want me That's right where you want me Cause your strength is perfect In my weakest moments Every fear and burden washed away I will not be shaken You're my firm foundation In your presence is where I Is where I wanna be. It's where I want.